1950 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $588 today. Holy shit. That's a good kickback each time. What? Yeah. It's multiplied by 10? 11. 11 and a half. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched LA Confidential. So you watched this a few weeks back and we're like, hey, let's just do this. And I was like, you know what? I watch, I have seen this movie. I do not remember anything about it for some reason. But then I was looking as we were about to start, I was looking at my IMDb. And apparently when I watched this movie years ago, I ranked it a 10 out of 10. So I guess I did (laughs) think it was good. Um, And then when I started watching it, I immediately was like, that dude that keeps saying boyo every other sentence. I was like, he's a bad guy. <laughs> um, well, I mean, okay. So I did decide to watch it a couple weeks back with no intention of doing an episode on it. Um, but I thought it was so good. I, I really wanted to talk about it. You know, it's um, I feel like sometimes I'm in a mood for a movie that's like a cross between seven, but not so dark. And then maybe a little bit of like, noir but not like 60s noir and so i was kind of like filling out this thing on the internet being like i'm i like this movie and i like this movie and then it was like well if you like these movies then you'd like these movies and so it it gave me la confidential obviously but it gave me a bunch of other movies that i've seen and i think those kinds of um i don't want to call them quizzes but those kind of things you fill out is a real 50-50 shot on like actually giving you something good or like something that fits what you want to watch. Um, so I took a chance on this and it was like exactly in my uh, alley. Like uh, I watched, you know, a few weeks back Inherent Vice, which is kind of a noir, but more of um neo-noir. I, I don't even know what that means, but that just sounds appropriate for what that was. Uh, and I really liked it. And I was like, oh, I want another noir. So this one comes up, right? And it's funny because on uh, on Google, the genre, it depicts as crime, crime. So it's just crime. Um, so yeah, I watched it and I was totally immersed in it. And I was like, why hasn't this been turned into a show? Like, it's so good. No uh, promise that the show would be good. But there, I, I feel like, there's so much to dissect and from the story that we watch it just like does maybe a tiny bit of that yeah i um i think this is like when you say noir this is like one of the quintessential ones that by the way neo noir just means new noir neo just means new you knew that right well i mean yeah yes but then i thought like Inherent Vice takes place in like the 60s um, and yet it came out maybe eight years ago, I think, some somewhere around there. And so, you know, I I guess if in that like perspective, LA Confidential is a neo-noir, it depends where you want to kind of like draw the line of what's new and what's not new. You know, it would be an interesting movie to do, and we'll get into this one in a second. But so James Elroy wrote L.A. Confidential, 
and then uh, Curtis Hansen wrote and directed it or helped write and then directed it. But James Elroy also wrote The Black Dahlia, which was a 2006 movie directed by Brian De Palma. Oh. That was panned and I really liked. Also quite a bit darker, I think, than this. It, I mean, it's about the Black Dahlia, right? Right. Which is a story I know. Um, I didn't know what this was about or if this was based on anything um, as far as LA Confidential is concerned. Um, but the Black Dahlia is a real thing, right? That happened? It, yeah, it is. But it's like the movie and I think the story. Pro- I don't know if the book takes some liberties to write like a, I don't know if it's a fictionalized historical book, you know, like a once a time, once upon a time in Hollywood type treatment of it. But the movie for sure is, you know, it's like solving the case in a way that I don't think is real. Um, I like the movie. It is a bit over the top, but I think that'd be an interesting one to do to see if you like the movie that most, you know, it's by a great director who's had some movies that are like, you know, he's somewhat hit or miss, but his hits are pretty good. Um, but that would be an interesting one to do later on if you're still interested. I also have never done one of those, like, I'm in the mood for something, like, fill in the blanks to see what movie you're going to watch. But that would be interesting to do. Yeah. Um, let's get into it. So you get the narration starting. And I don't like, I don't think you can have much more of a distinctive voice that, like, so much of the population is going to be like, holy fucking shit, it's Danny DeVito. I was so surprised. I was like, it's Danny DeVito. Like I'm listening to his voice. I was like, that's Danny DeVito. No way is Danny DeVito in this film. And then sure enough, he's in this film. So I was like, there's no way he's in this movie. So why would they choose to make him the narrator? And then he's, I was like, he does have a distinctive kind of smarmy voice, you know? So I guess that works. And then he's in it. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And especially given his role as like this writer slash producer of this hush hush magazine you know, peddling kind of illicit tales and basically setting people up um, seems like a perfect Danny DeVito role. You know, it, it does. And when you first hear his voice and not see who it is, it's like, oh, it's Phil from Hercules, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, he, he, he starts off the narrating, uh, the narration. And he, I think he's the only one that narrates it through the whole movie right right and it's less it's less narration and more like him just doing like it's like him doing this is kind of like semantics but he's doing like voice work as he's typing and his voice is being played over other parts of the movie so it's not like it's not like specifically him narrating things it's it's using his character what he would naturally do in a narrator sort of way looking at the hulu page um of this movie it says you know starring guy pierce russell russell crowe kevin spacey kim bassinger and with no mention of of danny devito right and so i was like he's not the main character but in much like inherent vice the main character does not narrate oh quote unquote narrate this story which is another kind of I guess I'll say neo-noir thing that like original, you know, noirs, when they first start out, it was always the main character narrating his story. 
Well, and also normally the narrator like survives the whole thing because he's narrating sort of a past tense situation a lot of times. Which Danny DeVito does not do, like you like you mentioned. Right. Um, what I also find interesting about this is, and I, maybe we shouldn't admit this on the podcast where we talk about movies, but I think both of us don't have like a huge like database knowledge of movies. But it is funny like to do a movie like tangentially related to Mickey Cohen, but not a Mickey Cohen movie. And then the Mickey Cohen movie that was done, Gangster Squad, uh, starring Sean Penn, was like awful. And so it seems like there could be a better Mickey Cohen movie that actually uses him. <laughs> I thought Gangster Squad starred um, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, but not as the bad guy. Ryan Gosling's a good guy. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. And Mickey Cohen uh, is played, Sean Penn plays the bad guy. Um, what I also think is interesting too is like, so I read that Russell Crowe wasn't sure that he could handle like this big bad cop role where he's like this main badass that just fucks people up, you know? And I think the fact that he could pull this off probably landed him Gladiator. I was also going to say probably also landed him Nice Guys. I think the rest of his career landed in nice guys. No, I, I get I, this, his Bud White um, performance reminded me so much of like an older um, Bud White. Oh, in nice guys. In nice guys. Does that, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but like more charisma takes himself a little less serious once he gets to nice guys level. Yeah, because he's like weathered and he's been doing this for a long time. And I was like in his PI days. Yeah. Yeah, he got divorced from a prostitute in Arizona and moved back to L.A. I guess that's what you're saying. Yeah, the prostitute he met through Kim Basinger's like um, network. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Kim Basinger is the prostitute that he. Did he end up together with her? I thought Guy Pierce ended up with her. Did you watch the end of this movie? Yes, but. I'm trying to think. Didn't you say you were going to rewatch it before we one did this? Of, one of them ended up with her. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, Guy Pierce walks out and... Um, oh, that's know, right. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. It's it's a reveal that Russell Crowe's even alive. And then Kim Basinger is driving him to Arizona because the whole prostitution ring has been sort of taken out when Patchett is killed. Um, I like the way they set these guys up. And I think also, like, seeing it now, they're perfect for the roles, right? Spacey is like a sleazy in it for himself, just like is a cop for the accolades at this point. Like, you know, he he uh, has like a TV show that he kind of uh, is like a part of. I love the introduction of Russell Crowe's Bud White. Like he he kind of sees a, a domestic violence situation. His partner's like, dude, just let it go. And he's like, nah, not going to do that. And you like find out like throughout like this is his bugaboo is a man beating up a woman and just goes up and like makes the guy swing at him which is is funny like because later on in the movie he does not care if you like swing at him first but makes the dude swing at him and then beats the shit out of him and like calls the uh like the lesser cops to come arrest this guy yeah um and then you just get guy pierce who is like quintessentially nerdy like has the glasses um is talking to dudley smith who's the captain and like 
I'd be interested because I don't remember what I thought when I first watched this, but watching it again, it must have just been like a, a distant, like a memory embedded in me that he was like the bad guy from the get go. But when he tells Guy Pierce, like, oh, you should go to IA, uh, he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And he's like, well, you can't be a detective because he's like, are you willing to plant evidence? No. Are you willing to beat a confession? No. Are you willing to shoot someone in the back? so that we don't have to have a trial. He's like, well, no, you know that I won't do those things. He's like, yeah, you're not ready for this. Um, Which I is kind of insane to like admit as you're doing that, you know? Maybe not in the 50s. Yeah. Well, it, you know, when... Uh, I think this movie had a little bit of a slow start um, just as far as the relationships, trying to figure out who was like... Stensland and and White and Vincennes and Exley and like just trying to figure out who's who and what they do. I had the hardest time figuring out exactly what Kevin Spacey did um, in the beginning. Like I was like, is he a cop? Is he IA? Is he just like, I, but then I'm like, he's too camera hungry to be like a behind the desk guy so i was very confused on exactly like how things worked in 1950s cop town yeah i mean i think it was just good publicity for them to have him working on that show uh, and having a show that painted them in such a positive light because that wasn't always the case um and like you know history repeats itself obviously so right. I think that was the whole point of it. it obviously, he was in the drug, the drug. He was a drug cop. Um, and he immediately, like, Danny DeVito hooks up with him and is like, which, are they, you know, you find out that they do this all the time. But he's like, I need you to go arrest these guys. and It'll be this amount of money. And Kevin Spacey's like, well, no, it has to be double that because I got to pay off this guy and this guy and this guy. Um, but then when he brings those celebrities in, he like offers the money to Guy Pierce, and Guy Pierce is like, "No, nah, I don't. I'm not taking your payoffs." And I was like, "Why do you need to pay off Guy Pierce for bringing in people who have committed a crime? What's Guy like? What is Guy Pierce going to be able to know? Like, I didn't really quite get the need to pay him off. You're bringing in people who did something bad. Why, why, why pay him off? So maybe he knew that he paid off other people to get the in. I, yeah, I don't know. Um. And then, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you that the movie started off slow because, like, the whole buildup is to set up the rest of the movie where, like, the Mexican guys are brought in. They've apparently beat up the cops. And it's like this game of telephone where each cop is telling you, it's like, yeah, he's going to he's gonna lose his arms. And, like, Guy Pierce is like, they have bruises. They're, like, resting. They're, they're fine. They'll be here, like, next week. And it just gets built and built and built until, like, Stenzland, who you know from the beginning is, like, a shitty cop yeah yeah um decides to the, he's gonna take it upon himself drunk to go like start beating the shit out of these guys and then like bud and kevin spacey are in there russell crowe and kevin spacey and uh they just like happen to get hit so like fuck it <laughs> i'm gonna beat the shit out of these guys too what's knowing crazy the, knowing the newspaper's there well not even that but guy pierce is like there and he's like and I guess like everyone knows that he's squeaky clean. So those cops like put him like lock him in the utility closet 
until things are over, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I one thing too is like the Guy Pierce character, you know, there isn't anyone likable in this to me, even from the get go, right? Like you're you know, he's supposed to be the squeaky king clean character, but he is like he's just out for himself, right? Like he does everything by the book, but eventually you find out no, he doesn't, like when he has to deal with the the black guys who he thinks did the night out shooting. Um, but I, I read that Guy Pierce actually like didn't like this character because he felt he was too self-righteous and like watching the beginning, I was like, I also feel that way. Well, you know, it, it's kind of cool too, because I think Stinslin is Stinslin is set up to be unlikable no matter what. Right. Obviously, obviously a villain. Yes. Um, but the other three, right. Pierce, Crow and Spacey, they become i mean not only our main characters but they become incredibly likable towards the end and i think that's what makes it really interesting is that they all have like their vices but when it gets down to it you know that they are out for justice um yeah and i i knew this movie had to be good to make me feel bad for kevin spacey in this day and age (laughs) in this day and age I mean, even back then like he doesn't really play you know we've talked about before he doesn't really play likable characters and i think i don't know yeah i mean obviously we're going to be praising his performance a little bit but it is interesting how well he did this type of character where you actually kind of like him you know what i mean yeah has he ever played a character that's like quintessentially good i mean k-pax he was pretty good i think right just like know. an alien. K-Pax. Yeah, he, he plays an alien. I've never heard of that. I don't know if it's actually an alien or if he is... Is it a kid's show? No, it's a movie. It stars him and uh, Jeff Bridges, I believe. Okay. Because um, I was just thinking like uh, Usual Suspects, Superman, Seven just even real... moon <laughs> even moon but just like he's a villainous i should have should have tipped them off right then and there right but he he plays a villain so getting set up in la confidential as kind of this guy who is out for himself much like everyone else is you don't expect the character turnaround that he does give you pay it forward paid forward what it's a movie. Oh, Kevin, Kevin Spacey, Haley Joel Osment, Helen Hunt. He's a good guy. I think so. Oh my god. Okay, listen. So, anyways, um, I mean, it's really a Haley Joel Osment vehicle, you know. Isn't everything? But then K Pax came out right after that. So, why have I never heard of K Pax? I mean, I don't know. I think in the end, he's not actually spoiler alert for people who are gonna watch the 2001 movie k-pax but i think in the end he's actually just a psych patient i don't know that he's actually an alien i can't remember how it ends but yeah it's jeff bridges and kevin spacey those are the two main people in that one um let's get back to it so bud refuses to testify after all this and they're basically like all right well you're fucking fired 
um, your partner's a piece of shit. You should testify against them. And Bud refuses to do it because of some code, I guess. Um, Guy Pierce, like they can't even get the words out. And he's like, no, I'll fucking testify. I'll testify against anyone, everyone, all of them. And not only does he do that, but then he's like, hey, lay this on the guys who have their pension. But then also let's fucking put Stenzlin and Bud White in jail. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, now you're kind of an asshole. No, I mean, um, Stenzlin definitely deserves it, I think. Uh, he does. I mean, I don't think Bud does, right? But he just doesn't like Bud because he doesn't like Bud's kind of MO of like, you know, beating the shit out of each other, out of people. Uh, I think nowadays a lot of people probably agree with that, that, you, you know, even though someone's a bad guy, you can't really beat the shit out of them. Um, <laughs> right. So it's a, it's a different movie now. But um, they're, you know, I don't think they're ever, I was, I was kind of, I don't think they were ever going to get rid of Bud, but when Dudley tells him afterwards, like, oh, hey, no one, no one testified, you know, they recanted their testimony. And so you're going to work for me. I was almost like, is he actually still a cop? Like, does anyone else know about this? Or is, you know, because at that point, I know Dudley's a bad guy. Um, But yeah, he obviously is a cop. And then I, I also, too, the way Guy Pierce is like, well, I know how you get to Kevin Spacey. You know, you take away his TV show and he'll testify. And like, obviously it works. Yeah. So then they kind of, I guess you could say team up um, for the rest of them. Well, for, for the movie from here on. A little bit. Yeah. I do like, I I like the way that uh, Kevin Spacey sort of like stares at the two-way mirror, knowing that someone's behind it. Who's like, who is actually going to testify against everyone. Cause that's the way they can sort of get to him, you know, cause they need somebody to, I like when he was thinking like, who could it be? And then immediately sees guy Pierce and it's like, Oh fuck. It's that guy. Of course. Right. Now after this, you know, buds back in the force. And then immediately we see a bunch of like Mickey Cohen underlings getting gunned down. And then we see bud beating up a gangster from Cincinnati and Dudley's like, get the fuck out of here go back to cincinnati did you think bud was doing some of the gunning down or did you just think i don't know how that's related i didn't i i don't know if it was just because i knew russell they wouldn't put russell crowe in that position in the movie or but i just didn't think it was yeah yeah i mean it was obviously just the other dude who's not russell crowe well okay this brings up a good point that i've always thought of like if you, it's almost like if you cast like big stars in your movie, do you feel like that takes out some of the suspense of a film? Like, oh, they're not going to die. Like, I kind of like how horror movies, you know, they're so mass produced but they're so cheaply produced that they can't always afford like famous actors. So you always get like a a cast of unknown actors. That way you're like any of these motherfuckers could die at any minute. Right. But when you have like a huge cast of famous people, you know that they have to be on the credits for like, I don't know. It takes the suspense out of it. Do you feel like that sometimes? I mean, I don't know. Kevin Spacey dies in this. Yeah. Yes. A lot of people die in this, honestly. The only people that don't really are... The two Russell, main leads. 
Well, Kevin Spacey is a main lead. He's actually the top build person in this. Well, maybe it surprised a bunch of people when this came out in 97. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have, like, there are some movies where they kill people early on. What was it like? Well, I'm not going to spoil an entire movie. But there have been movies where a main guy has been killed immediately and the movie turns out to be, like, this other guy's actual movie. And people are like, what the fuck? I oh, yeah, want yeah, that. yeah. That's true. That's true. Actually, when Kevin Spacey dies in this film, it, it shocked me because I it happened so so fast and unexpectedly that I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this is where it's actually one of my favorite scenes. And we'll get there when we get there. But so now we. Um, the night owl. Yeah, the shootout at the night owl. Um <laughs> I love these names for these like places in noir. It's like the night owl or like the one eyed cat, you know, it's never like Bob's 24 hour diner. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's never like, there's never like a shootout in IHOP. You know what I mean? Right. Well, they would say, Oh, it's at the international house of pancakes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So because everyone hates guy Pierce, they all just like, they're all leave him alone. He's the only one there. And so he gets to take the homicide call. Um, and you should have known, I guess, right now that um, his boss was probably in on it. Because when his boss shows up, he's like, you know, I'll take over. And uh, Guy Pierce like, no, fuck that. Like, this is mine. He's like, okay, well, we'll do it together. Because he needs to exercise some sort of control over this right. to know what happened. And you find out Stenslin was there. And uh, Stenslin had just talked to Bud White and was like, oh, I got this. I got this thing that's, uh, you know, about to happen. I'm going to meet these people. So it's okay. I lost my job. Um, and then also you find out that along with Stenzel and the woman with the, the nose job was there, which we didn't talk about, but Bud ran into her earlier and also ran into Pierce Patchett and Kim Basinger. And he was like, when you see that woman's nose, I think especially nowadays, you're like, maybe in the fifties, you would have been like, what is that? But now you're like, Oh, it's a nose job. It's very clearly a nose job. Yeah. I like how he's like, he thought it was another case of domestic abuse. Before we go back to the police station, I do want to say the setup of this scene is really great. As Guy Pierce, you know, walks in, sees like, you see like the stove still on, right? The blood of, above the cash register and the guy sitting there, the blood at the table and like the coffee still with like the steam coming off of it. And Guy Pierce just keeps walking through until he finds this like back alley bathroom. And I guess like I thought it was 15 people, but I guess it was like six people in there that yeah. were killed. Yeah. Um, and there was like what f- they found like 15 shotgun shells. So but immediately Dudley is like, oh, well, we know that it was three black kids. And you're like, how Dudley? How do you know? Like everyone died. How do you know that? Well, not even that, but they were like, oh, it's these black kids who are held up here, who drive this car. It's like all too specific. Um, Also, it's just racial profiling at its like core, right? Um, Well, yeah, first, and I think that's purposeful in the movie because first it was the Mexican guys that beat up the cops. It's the black guys that shot these cops, right? It's like, these are the people that they go after. These are the people that they pin this shit on, you know? But really, the Irish were the bad guys all along. Who knew? I don't. Is that guy actually Irish? Because I feel like I don't want to talk bad about him if he's not. No, what? he was born. He was born in L.A. This, it's a horrible. James Irish, oh, a yeah. Horrible accent. Yeah. 
He's just, I, I just imagine the director went up to him. He's like, you know, you're just, it's not really sounding convincing. And he's like, all right, well, what if I say boyo after a couple of <laughs> sentences? And he's like, oh, fuck it. Let's try it. I mean, maybe that'll do it. And I like James Cromwell a lot. He's a great actor. He's great in this. The accent, though. Right. Could have maybe uh, chose a different way. So, you, you know, what's funny to me is I didn't even realize he was Irish until like halfway through the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Well, in the Kevin Spacey scene, he says boyo every fucking sentence. That's when I realized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Then they start, you know, they start investigating. Bud White goes on his own, basically. He's like, fuck, is, you know, fuck my partner. Because they, they just give them these names, right? Yeah. Which is, at, when you watch the complete movie, you understand that they give each person some names, but he gives his dude the names of uh, his dudes, the names of the guys he wants the guns planted on, and then he wants them murdered, right? Right. So, but Bud White decides to go to Kim Basinger. He goes to the, the liquor store and then gets her name and then goes to Pierce Patchett and then goes to Kim Basinger. Um, whereas Kevin Spacey is basically like, you know what? I'm going to fucking, I'm going to go to this guy I know who's like a snitch or whatever. And he'll give me information. And Guy Pierce is like, that sounds like a better use of my time. Just like tells his partner to fuck off. He's like, I'm, I'll go with Kevin Spacey. Okay, so hold on. Let's back up for a second because he only recognized the woman with the nose job because she was dead in the morgue along with Sedslin and the rest of the people from the night owl. Right. Right. Okay, cool. So she gets, he gets the name. Um, and then he, he goes to Pierce Patchett first and Pierce is like, well, you know, I won't tell you much, but you know, as long as you're not going to you know, do anything about it, you know, I run prostitutes that look like movie stars. Uh, and then he immediately goes to Kim Basinger after that. And Pierce kind of tells her like, hey, he's coming. Um, right. And this like prostitution ring is called Fleur de Lis. Whatever you desire. Yeah. And so Bud gets there and she's like, well, he, he told me you're coming and he's just expecting you to ask for money. Um, and he's like, well, I'm not going to do that. They kind of they don't really say anything that's of importance, except for like, she's like, well, you're the first person that hasn't that has told me I uh, that hasn't told me I look like Veronica Lake, and he's like, "You look better than Veronica Lake." And I go, "Nice, good line." One of the funniest parts of this movie is is I forget who, but he he confronts um, someone. Guy Pierce. Yeah, Guy Pierce confronts uh, someone, and he's like, "You know, your your two dollar hooker who kind of looks like." Um, you know, a famous actress. And then he's like, whoa, whoa, that is that famous actress. And then they get, he goes, yeah, he goes, a hooker to cut to look like Lana Turner is still a hooker. <laughs> Kevin Spacey is just behind smiling. And he's like, <laughs> she is Lana Turner. <laughs> yeah, that that's so great. So before leaving too, uh, he's like, you know, Bud White's like, oh, I just I don't like that he cuts you to to look like models or whatever. And she's like, oh, well, all I had was brunette hair. Like the rest is me. And you're like, oh, OK. So she's like the special one that just happens to look like a movie star. She's, and then. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I want to see you again. She's like date or appointment. He's like, I'm not I haven't decided yet. I'm not sure. So then they very quickly find 
the black kids who they so desperately want to pin this whole thing on, right? They're in the interrogation room. Um, and I like Guy Pierce in this. He's like, let me have a crack at him, you know? Like, yeah. When you first saw this, though, did you, you know, first they went to a boxer who, who basically gave up these three guys. And he said one of the guys was really like a really bad guy. And then after that, they get there and like the shotguns and money and other incriminating shit is just in their cars. No, 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 no. See, those other cops that they ran into were already in the garage. And I knew from the get go that and I was surprised that they didn't bring it up sooner. They like took them like three quarters of the way into the movie and they were like, yeah, you know, when we got there and those cops were there and those guns were there, I think they planted. I was like, of course they did. Of course they planted those guns but well, and then you find out the the shell casings match exactly too i thought it was super obvious and and because the movie didn't say anything right away i was like well okay maybe not maybe um but they were just playing that one close to the chest however what's interesting about those guys is that they weren't guilty of the night owl shooting but they were guilty of i was gonna say a worse crime but st- still a very bad crime. Um, yeah, we don't need to weigh them next against each other. Okay. Equally as bad as a crime. Well, no, no, no. It's not equal. I mean, it's murder. But Oh, okay. Okay. Well, almost equally. In our next episode, we're going to rank crimes for you guys. <laughs> Top 10 crimes. Number 10. Yeah, I, th- I think... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. So I think... Um... The interrogation by Guy Pierce is really cool. The way he turns the buttons off and on to like have the guy say stuff so that his partners can hear it. Like saying that the one guy was like, <laughs> did gay stuff in prison basically for lack of a better way to say it. Right. And then like, the, you know, kind of put the other like, oh, they, they did stuff to this girl and da, 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 da. And like kind of that he's selling them out and he just keeps working them. Right. And then, and then they, like kind of admit that they did something to this girl and they think that she might still be alive and you just see bud in there stewing and then he like breaks a fucking chair with just his bare hands and then goes in there and asks for an address or he's gonna fucking he plays russian roulette with the guy with a gun in the guy's mouth jesus yeah um which is not great not great cop work right there well the thing about russian roulette is that it's a surprise for everyone so he's actually extremely like would he have been reprimanded for if the gun like fucking went off into the guy's head or if it did he would have just moved on to the next guy and been like see what happened to your buddy i'm fairly certain he didn't put a bullet in any of the chambers you don't think so yeah um the next scene is really well done like one of my favorites um the way that all the cops kind of surround the house bud goes around back the slow methodical way he moves through the house and finds the girl um, and then, and this movie does a good job of this where you don't really know how to feel about these characters at any given time. He kind of just shoots a guy in cold blood and you're like, okay, this guy is either a rapist or, and then, but then he betting plants, a rape plants the gun. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he murdered someone. Right. So, I mean, he played judge jury executioner. Um, and Guy Pierce afterwards is even like a naked guy with a gun. Like, do you expect people to believe that? 
I like how Guy Pierce has fucking x-ray vision. It's his glasses, right? He just sees through everyone's bullshit in this movie. Right. Uh, and then, you know, he basically Bud White, Russell Crowe tells him to fuck off. And he's like, Stenslin got what he deserved and so will you. And I was like, okay, I don't think you mean Stenslin getting murdered, but maybe. I think the- he did. I think he did. Um, which is kind of that's the way Russell Crowe took it. I kind of meant he's like, you're gonna lose, you know, you're not gonna be a cop anymore either. But uh, either way, pretty harsh. Yeah. So you know, I mean, they they save the girl, which is awesome. But while all this is happening, um, the black guys back at the jail escape. Now, do you think that they were in on this, or do you think they just made a run for it, or how how did they get out? I have no idea. Yeah, it's it's not told, but I will say the way so Guy Pierce kind of immediately like knows, all right, this is who I should check because they mentioned this drug dealer. So he takes another guy to go with him, who I think turns out to be like one of the guys that was planting guns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he takes this other guy and they find the guys. The way the guys react when Guy Pierce shows up, it almost was like, oh, wait, why are you guys trying to arrest us again? You know what I mean? Like that they didn't, they just expected this to be over. Their reaction was weird. Because they, you know, they were acting completely different than when they, especially the one, the one dude who was like crying and pissed himself, right? Was right. acting like a little more calm when they showed up with guns. Although, you know, he did knock something over and then got shot in the chest. Um but then Guy Pierce one, tries to shoot a guy in the back and then shoots him in the elevator without even seeing him. And I was like, oh, I hope there wasn't like another person in there because they don't show him. I thought there was. I thought it was going to reveal that he, that, shot that he just shot a kid or an old woman or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ray Fine shows up and just shoots him like, you can't shoot a fucking kid. <laughs> no, but, you know, I think I think it would have been an interesting thing to do is if he just blindly shoots in the elevator. Because those people came out of the elevator as soon as he went in, right? But there could have been someone wanting to like go up another story. So it was very odd to me that that there was, it was so deliberately shot, like he blind shot in the elevator. I thought it was, he was going to shoot a kid or something. And then it was, he was going to like learn a valuable lesson that he was getting too much like everyone else on the force. I don't know, but they didn't go down that route. So, and instead all of his cop coworkers were like so happy that he shot three black guys that they started to like him again, you know? And and he kept doing it for the popularity, really. <laughs> no, but I think I think in that police force if you do something where everyone is like, "Oh, good job," then you might be doing something a little wrong. Right. So after this we get a little montage um you know, Jack is back on the TV show. Bud just keeps stalking Kim Basinger in the rain. As um, would I. <laughs> and then you see this councilman who we met earlier. He like talks shit to Bud uh, at Kim Basinger's house. And then Bud shows him the badge and he goes like, oh shit. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. And as the guy walks by, he's like, officer. And then Bud White's like, councilman. Um, and then you see like the photos that Danny DeVito took showing to the councilman so then he changes his vote which gets a highway built for pierce patchett which is like i mean highway is not a bad thing right you know we need highways 
sure i mean it's kind of like um yeah i'm i'm watching this show now it's called the killing and it it's a modern show and has a lot to do with kind of this like um like corruptiveness in in the police force and and whatnot and there's this whole like mayor mayor um run candidacy right so if like one mayor wins they get to build a stadium on the waterfront but if the other mayor wins they're not going to build a stadium on the waterfront and it's like oh a stadium for like baseball right what's so bad about that it'll give people jobs and whatnot but then it's like a a pollution thing so who knows what the downside of like a highway is you know maybe they don't want more traffic to la there can be less traffic though because you'd have better the ability to drive faster. maybe they don't want less traffic in la i don't know what did you think of dudley's line go back to jersey sunny this is the city of angels and you don't have wings do you think that Dudley like sat up at night and was like, all right, we're going to beat the shit out of this guy tomorrow. What can I say that's witty to him? We live in LA, Los Angeles. Angels, but it's also Los Angeles. That's like, there's a Mexican connection here. It's Spanish. Um, hmm. Angels, wings, go back to wherever you came from. You don't have wings like the angel. Okay. Yeah. All right, now I got to work on it in the mirror. <laughs> it's like, and, if this ever doesn't ever work out and I get transferred to Boston, I got to have to come up with something else. <laughs> yeah, so then after this, uh, Russell Crowe goes to Kim Basinger's house and she takes him into her real bedroom and he's like, why me? Did you understand what was going on there? That it was her just a real bedroom and she was like letting him into, letting him into her real life. I must have missed that. It was like an Arizona pillow that looked really ugly. It was her real bedroom as opposed to her like prostitute bedroom. Right. Yeah. She, I think she had sex with everyone else in the living room, but this was like where she actually slept. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Um, and next we get Danny DeVito back and he's going to get Matt, who was the guy that Kevin Spacey arrested in the beginning to have sex with the DA because the DA, I forget what he said is like, he's swift or he's, he used some term to describe him as gay. That was very unclear, except you like knew what was going on. DA low. Yeah. He used some term for gay that I was like confused by. I don't remember it, but oh. obviously not that important. Um, and he's like, I'm going to pay Matt a hundred dollars, which is twice as much as what I paid you to ruin his career. And also was like, I wonder how much $50 is today, you know, as a kickback each time he does this, you know? Um, yeah, but then it also depends on how many kickbacks he's getting each. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's a cumulative um, bump every time. Oh, yeah, it's I like, agree. It's like 50 bucks here, but 100 bucks if you like do it twice in a row, you know? Uh, $50 in 1950 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $588 today. Holy so shit. That's a good kickback each time. What? Yeah. It's multiplied by 10? 11. 11 and a half. That's crazy. I thought you were going to be like, 
yeah, $50 back then was like 80 bucks now, but $550. Okay. Mm -hmm. Damn. Okay. And I do like to the line where uh, DeVito's like, Hey, do you, do you think low the DA actually likes you? And um, Kevin Spacey was like, yeah, he tried to throw me off the horse as a joke though. (laughs) Right. And I also too, like uh, Matt doesn't recognize Kevin Spacey. He's like, have we met? Kevin Spacey's like, oh yeah, yeah, we met. This is like at a party, and uh, Matt's like, oh, a Florida Lee. And Kevin Spacey's been like chasing this the whole time, right? He's like recognized some of the signs, so he's trying to get information from Matt. Um, but I do like this is the point where Kevin Spacey starts to take a turn. Yes, but did did Kevin Spacey actually meet Simon Baker before he arrested him? He did. Okay. Yeah, he was the guy that he arrested in the beginning and brought in the night that the Mexican fight happened. The fight with the Mexican guys. With the woman? Yeah. Oh, I didn't make the connection that that was him. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, wow, okay, that makes a lot more sense. I thought there was like a secret gay love affair between Simon Baker and Kevin Spacey. <laughs> He's like, oh, yes. <laughs> His name also was Simon Baker Denny when this came out, which is interesting. He changed his name. Um, So after this, basically, you see Simon Baker, who plays Matt, talking to the DA. They are hitting it off very quickly. Um, And they lied lied to Matt saying he was going to get a job on the show that Kevin Spacey works for. But Kevin Spacey starts to have second thoughts, right? And he actually leaves to go to the hotel much earlier than Danny DeVito DeVito told him to. And he finds Matt Simon Baker dead. Right. Um, And this is like, like this is kind of what you pointed out, like the making us feel bad for Kevin Spacey. Right. It's like, this is a redemption arc for him in this movie. Cause up till now there hasn't been a, he's kind of like a middling character, right? Like he's not the worst He's not Dick Stenslin. He's not Bud White to, you know, a little bit, but he's also not the best, right? Because he does take bribes, but he is once again arresting people who have committed crimes, whatever you think of like smoking pot in the 50s, it was considered a lot worse. So, but yeah, this redemption arc for one, this character, but two, like an actor who like we don't see have those is, is interesting. Yeah. Um when when he so what was the tip off uh, i'm trying to remember when uh when kevin spacey went to go visit uh dudley well okay so kevin spacey went to go visit matt and matt um is dead <laughs> um there was something oh there's this important scene hold on that we need to talk about there's this like very nice scene and i think this is the huge turnaround for kevin spacey but it's interesting because we learn way more about guy pierce's character in this but you know guy pierce has a uh, i think it's his father that got murdered right yeah and he gives this story to kevin spacey saying oh wait he's like oh so you never found the guy you don't know who it was he's like yeah i know who it is it's um what's the name david rollo tomaso rollo tomaso 
it's like, oh, if you know the guy's name, why don't you like go get him? And it's like, oh, Rolo Tomaso is a fake name. It's the name I gave the guy that killed my dad. Right. Yeah. No. So that scene happens right after. It's kind of like it's all connected because Bud has this same scene basically where he tell he's like tells Kim Basinger like I'm tired of being an idiot that no one believes in. She's like, you're a good cop, baby. And he's like. He, he gives a story about how his mom was killed by his dad and he was tied to a radiator until someone found him. Um, and he's going to go after the night owl killer, which is interesting because at that point, I think you might think Kim Basinger knows more about the night owl murder and by him saying something to her that could put him in danger, but it, you know, she doesn't really know anything. But yeah, so then Bud starts investigating and Guy Pierce is a little bit on his tail. Mm-hmm. Like he goes to he talks to someone who gives him that Stenslin, uh, you know, the Susan Lefferts name Lefferts turns out she was dating Dick Stenslin. And then he finds that Meeks guy in, in the um, underneath the house and guy Pierce does all that same work and finds bud there finds the house. And she's like, well, the other officer already looked under there and just said there were dead rats. And then he finds the body. And this is when he's like, I need, Kevin Spacey, I need you to go follow Bud. And then he gives him this whole story. And he's basically like, you know, why did you become a cop? And Kevin Spacey's like, I don't even know anymore. And then they basically decide to help each other with like the Matt story. Right. Um, you know, he's like, you help me with this, this guy that got killed. Um, and I'll help you with your thing. And so then he follows Bud as he like beats up this dude. Um and uh you know for information the guy basically tells him oh meeks was interested in like heroin um and then that's like how that leads to that lana taylor or lana lana turner story later where he's like a whore cut to look like lana turner right now i think because guy pearson and kevin spacey are basically a team at this point we we think russell crowe is still a kind of a bad dude right like not a hundred percent bad but not really on the up and up right not not right uh so i'm trying to think what is the big tip off that kevin spacey goes to uh james cromwell's residence is this before or after this has to be uh before they interrogate danny devito for the thing right it's before. So we're about to get there. Um, right. So, but I'm, I'm asking you after Guy Pierce gives his Rolo Tatasa, sa, 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 Rolo Tomaso. Tomaso speech to Kevin Spacey. There's a tip off, right? There's like Kevin Spacey's like, oh, I need to go to James Cromwell for this. And I'm trying to remember what he gave away that Dudley felt like James Cromwell felt like he had a kill him for it they go to kevin spacey and guy pierce go to patchett he doesn't give them anything right but patchett calls danny devito and they're like oh shit so danny devito works with patchett too um then they decide to split up kevin spacey finds out that the body is meeks an old detective so then kevin spacey starts looking through kind of some of the record books and Guy Pierce goes to Kim Basinger and sleeps with her. And then you see, oh, this is who, why Pierce Patrick called 
DeVito because he starts taking pictures of it. Right. Now, Kevin Spacey goes to Dudley Smith. And what the thing that he said is why Dudley killed him is he said, Meeks and Stenslin arrested Patchett when you were supervising um, for using Danny DeVito to blackmail people. And it went away. So I wanted to ask you about that. And then Dudley's like, oh, have you told Guy Pierce?" He says no. And that's when he shoots him. Right. Because he found out that Meeks and Stensland were like in all this to in on this together. And so because Dudley was the head of it or head of the department at the time, he was like, oh, it's implied that it's it's not so far reaching to come to the conclusion that oh he's also on it too and the real crime here is the heroin right yeah i mean there's a ton of stuff they don't know what's going on like it's there's heroin there's prostitution yes i mean the night owl murder is still they don't believe these black guys did it that's why they're looking this through and that's why guy pierce was like you know why did you become a cop and he's like i became a cop to kind of do what's right um and I think Kevin Spacey went to him, went to Dudley because he is trying to get information from Dudley. He doesn't think Dudley's a bad guy. And he's obviously wrong about that. This is also the scene where Dudley once again says boyo three or four times. But this is like one of the coolest moments I've seen in a movie where Kevin Spacey is dying and he smiles and he's like, why are you smiling boyo? And he just says, Rolo Tomasi. I've been saying Tomaso, but Rolo Tomasi, right? It's my favorite scene. And by, I mean, my favorite part in the whole movie, because it's such a, it's so smart. It, it, it's like, who thinks at a 200 IQ level on your dying breath, right? And it also is like, it shows you he, it is like a full turn, right? Because in a moment where he can be like, just, oh, fuck, I'm going to die. He's like, in my last breath, I'm going to sink you too. And the immediate payoff of there's a there's a conference with all the cops or like a, a meeting and he's like, hey, Kevin Spacey was killed. He was found in this park. Um, the body was obviously moved. Right. And then Dudley goes up to Guy Pierce after this. He's like, hey, um, we have this read, this lead on Rolo Tomasi. And just like the look in Guy Pierce's eyes of just like, but like, oh, I have no idea who that is. But then immediately like, oh, fuck. Okay, this is, this is fucking bad. Well, not only that, uh, is it like Kevin Spacey's obvious character arc, but it is in the way that he knew only one person would that be relevant to. And it's almost like his entire trust and his faith went into Guy Pierce. Right. Well, and two, it's I died. And I, for some reason, said this name that only you have told me to this one guy. So he very clearly must have been either the person that killed me or knows who killed me or was there like at the time. So he's involved in my death. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just so fucking perfect. And to know that he would obviously ask Guy Pierce about it because he like told him, Hey, Guy Pierce and I were working on this. And he just says the name. Right. It's so, so smart. So I was actually surprised how fast we got that payoff too. 
Like it was literally the next scene or two that this all went down. And it's just like, I, I was like, I felt like the movie ended so fast from this point. Um, but I mean, it, this is a long movie. This is like a two hour, 13 minute movie. Um, and it felt long too, but not in a bad way. I mean, it was well paced. It just was just, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot to take in. Um, but this is also kind of where an interesting thing happens. And this is the most like nice guys. I know we were comparing it to Shane Black's nice guys earlier, but the part where Guy Pierce is caught um, with photos by Danny DeVito is caught having sex with Kim Bassinger, right? Yeah, because Dudley calls Bud to help him beat someone up. And then when he gets there, it's Danny DeVito. And then the photos get mentioned. Bud goes to look at them and sees that it's Guy Pierce and Kim Basinger having sex. And, and so then- in like a blind rage, he goes to like fuck up Guy Pierce. And as he does that, Dudley is like killing Danny DeVito. Yeah, too. And like you think like, oh, this whole thing was a setup to get Guy Pierce killed by Bud to take care of like a bunch of loose ends. And then when he starts to kill Danny DeVito, you're like, oh, he's tying up all loose ends. Um, and yeah. as you find that out as they go through the, the interesting thing, too, is first Bud goes to Kim Basinger and hits her twice. It didn't seem like he hit her that. I'm, first, of all, I'm not condoning this, but it didn't seem like he hit her that hard for the like the bruises she had afterwards. Okay, that was interesting. It is also very interesting. A person who has like sort of you know put his life, like has dedicated his life. Couldn't think of the word dedicated. Dedicated his life to like beating up woman beaters right like to getting these guys who beat up women to just become one yes um is pretty like interesting and like i don't know if it's too convenient or whatever but it it was a it was an interesting aspect of the movie to me another kind of connecting all the dots of like stinsland and meek was that they concluded that Stinsland was going out with the girl with the nose job. Yes. Um, And then I don't know if we mentioned this, but they found Meeks's body under her mother's house. We did. Specifically under her mother's house. By we, I meant I mentioned it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that was the connecting thread between Stinsland and, and Meeks. Right. Yeah. They were actually, they had been dating for a while, which I thought was like, really? Why was she dating him? So then who shot up the night owl? Did you watch the end of this movie? I'm just having trouble remembering. The guys that planted the guns on the black guys and Dudley. Yeah, but I mean, I know Dudley like, or like, organized it but he did he go and shoot too at the end of the movie guy pierce says that the two guys that dudley ordered around 
he uses their names i don't know them were two of the perpetrators of the night out and the third was most likely dudley himself oh i don't think they even have a name there's probably a name in here i don't know um but i so bud after hitting kim basinger goes to guy pierce and guy pierce is so nonchalantly like hey hey i want to show you something and the way he just shows in the picture and guy pierce is like no no wait (laughs) (laughs) right um is cool like it's a good fight he gets the shit kicked out of him until he's able to pull the gun um and then he just explains like hey dudley killed jack he's trying to get you to kill me he killed Meeks and Stensland, or no, like Dudley Meeks and Stensland work together. They worked for Patchett. Um, and they planted the guns on the black guys. Like, this is all a conspiracy, and we need to work together on this. Um, and I like after saying all that, uh, Bud's like, the night out made you. You want to tear it all down? He's like, with a fucking wrecking ball. Do you want to help me? Yeah. 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 It's a lot like that scene where Ryan Gosling was like, hey, Russell Crowe, they teamed up too. Are you saying that Shane Black just pilfered the storyline from LA Confidential? I'm saying that Shane Black directed a uh, accidental sequel to LA Confidential. (laughs) Apparently, Russell Crowe has said the only two movies he would want to do sequels for or do like again our LA Confidential and the Nice Guys. <laughs> it's funny. So they go to the. I love the scene where they go to the DA, um, and he says no, and the look between Bud and Guy Pierce, and he just like it, not even the shake of the head. They just stare at each other, but they know what he needs to do. And he goes and beats the shit out of the DA and hangs him out of the window. And I'm like, why are all these people not like wondering what the fuck's going on with that? <laughs> the people down below. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And how about like, it's the DA. Doesn't he have like a secretary? Like, isn't she like hearing all this commotion? I also like how he has like a whole full bathroom in his office. That's very nice. Yeah, I think that's that's probably pretty standard for higher up guys like that. Paid for by the good people of uh, payoffs. In Los Angeles. Um, and also the DA knows so much about like what is going on? He even says like Patchett and Dudley are taking over for Mickey Cohen, but I couldn't do anything about it because they have pics of me being gay. Right. And it's like, okay, so you just like really let them just do whatever. The yeah. Fuck you're they just want. like, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then Man. he says like, Matt heard them talking after they took the photos. So they fucking killed me. I also understand like Danny DeVito told him, to show up at midnight i don't that's one part that i don't get why did danny devito tell kevin spacey to show up at midnight and like wouldn't that part is confusing because that's like a loose end that danny devito knows about he's like oh fuck i told kevin to show up and you fucking killed this guy (laughs) I'm just so confused about that part. Now we can Wait, move on. Who are you? You're talking about Danny DeVito telling Kevin Spacey to show up at midnight, but Kevin Spacey's dead at this point. No, 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 no. When when Matt has sex with the DA, he told Kevin Spacey, show up at midnight. 
Kevin Spacey leaves 45 minute, minutes early and is like, hey, Matt, you don't have to do this. You don't have to go through with this. And Matt's already dead. Yes. Wouldn't Danny DeVito, who is working for Patchett and for Dudley in this scheme to take over crime in Los Angeles, tell them, hey, I told Kevin to come over here at midnight. Do you think they were just like, all right, well, let him find the body. But it's like he knows the connection with the DA. Maybe they're just like, fuck it. This is Jack Vincennes. Like, he's not going to give a shit about this gay dude that was killed. Well, it's either that. Little did he know he was on the edge of his character arc, right? But it was either that or it's either like Danny DeVito is not outrightly a villain in this, right? Maybe he's trying to find a way out and maybe he just left a few breadcrumbs. I don't know. Yeah, not sure. So uh, they go find Patchett who has slit his wrist but then they are like oh his fingers are broken so he did definitely didn't slit his own wrists what a what a i mean have they never heard of an autopsy i mean you're gonna find all of his fingers are broken and his wrists just so happen to be slit you just shoot him in the head at that point i don't really understand it you've killed so many people like why are you now worried about forensics in 1950 um so yeah they Guy Pierce says, I'll go to Kim Basinger to make sure she's safe. Well, they both go to her house because they're like, fuck, she's the last like thread. Like, but she's unharmed. Guy Pierce is like, I'll go talk to Kim Basinger because she's at the police station. Bud goes to DeVito. Um, Kim Basinger doesn't know anything. Bud finds Danny DeVito dead. But now we're Kim at the Basinger, end of the movie. He calls the cops to go over to, to Basinger's house to check on her. And they're like, yeah, she's been kind of pretty badly beaten up, but she seems okay. And then he knows that he's the one who left those bruises on her. I thought that was also a really good scene. Well, and Guy Pierce is like, looks at him too, like, wait, who did you do that? Yeah, yeah. So Bud then gets called by Guy Pierce for meat. And I was like, that's not, that's not Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce didn't call you for that. But then Guy Pierce is there and he's like, oh, well, you called me for this. And now we're at the end of the movie. This is a great shootout for a <laughs> number of reasons. Because yeah. normally when cops go to a building where bad guys are, they can just wait them out. But these cops are doing a bad thing. So they can't wait them out. They have to attack the house which gives Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe a big advantage in this shootout. Not only because of that do they have an advantage, but also the fact that it's like a decrepit house with like holes in a floorboard that leads down to the basement. And it's like this, uh, this very like there's counter space everywhere. So there's like plenty of cover. Uh, there's windows that overlook every single side of the house. And because of course it's like in the Hollywood Hills, it's like they all have the high ground at one, at some point, like you look out of the window and it's like this like little ravine where they're down. Right. So they all, it's great. It's a, if I was ever going to get in a firefight with the police force, that's the house I would want to be in. Yeah. well maybe one that's more reinforced because those bullets were just going through the walls fairly easily it goes through the it goes through the walls the other way too 
That's true. That's true. Yeah, I like the setup too of them putting everything on the windows, like moving the mattress on the one door and doing all that. And then, yeah, the way that Bud is just taking them out and then Dudley shoots Bud. Um, he shot him like through the cheek and you're like, okay, well that, you know, that clearly didn't kill him. And uh, Dudley's like, all right, you know, I'll do the talking and there's going to be a big promotion in this for you. And there's some like hesitation with Guy Pierce because he's like, all right, well, fuck it. Bud's dead. Um, so, you know, I, 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 maybe I should take this. And then Dudley's like, Hey, raise your badge. Let them know we're cops. And Guy Pierce's like, well, you're not a fucking cop. Yeah. That was like, that was like the handshake at the end of Django Unchained. I felt like it's like, shake my hand. It's like, raise your badge. It's like, nah. Um, also I like how he gave him the tip to like raise your badge. So they don't shoot you as like his last tip to Guy Pierce. Then he shoots him and then he raises his own badge. I thought that was great. And then this is an interesting part where they're interrogating Guy Pierce, basically like you fucking, you just killed Dudley. Like we know, you know, they're like, he's the bad guy. And he just lays this all down for them. And they're like, fuck, that's bad. What are we going to do? I thought they were going to, I thought Russell Crowe was dead. And I thought this was just a type of movie kind of like Chinatown, right? Where it's like, doesn't, doesn't end well for anyone. And they were like, well, we fucking have to kill Guy Pierce to cover everyone's asses, you know? Well, and then, you know, they, they're talking about what they're going to do and like, oh, we'll have to make Dudley a hero. And then Guy Pierce starts smiling and they're like, why are you smiling? He's like, well, you're going to need more than one hero. And they're like, how the fuck did he know what we're saying he can't hear us um and so they give him another medal and then he kind of goes and sees kim basinger and then there's the re- reveal that russell crowe is still alive and he's moving to arizona with kim basinger which i wonder what he's going to do in arizona do you think they'll still let him be a cop there this is my question to you david is whether you're guy pierce or russell crowe after all this has happened to you would you ever want to be a cop ever again? Maybe not in LA, but you know, I mean, a lot of bad guys have been killed, right? You know, Patchett and Dudley were taking out all the potential bad guys. They were it was killed, competition. Like, beating the shit out of anyone who tried to move into the city who had any criminal record. So it might be an easy job now that Dudley and Patchett are dead, right? I feel bad for all these women who were, you know surgically modified to look like celebrities who now you know are out of a job there's always the celebrity impressionists on hollywood boulevard well maybe you know was vegas big in the 50s maybe they could have like taken gone to vegas and done a show there well i mean i i love the movie it was exactly what i wanted to watch and and i am concerned that movies like these like that fit in the niche of of crime crime (laughs) no but of these like noir mystery crime movies i've seen so many it's getting harder and harder for me to find um new ones you know i i was saying to you i think a couple weeks ago that i wish i've never seen a movie like zodiac just to experience zodiac again or, or like prisoners, um, like those movies, I feel like 
those are my favorite. And I, and I hope that either we see more of those sort of films or there's just a slew that I haven't discovered so I can watch this. But um, yeah, it was it was great. And I enjoyed it a lot. What what did you think of it, especially revisiting it after like years and years? You know, one thing I thought is, you know, a lot of times, especially like back during school or now working from home, I'll put something on in the background and it's, I don't know why this didn't like just enter my rotation of movies I watched over, you know, over and over again. And I think it will now. I mean, it's possible because it's like, you know, a lot of people die that you don't really want to see die. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really great. Um, speaking of like noirs that you haven't seen one one neo noir that we have to do is brick you know one of ryan johnson's it's either his first movie or one of his first movies so um that's like a joseph gordon levitt noir movie in high school that's really good gordon levitt in high school yes as a detective a high Um, school detective is it like a jump street no 21 jump streets no it's like a pi he works for himself makes his own rules all your questions will be answered when we do that movie. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched L.A. Confidential. <laughs>